When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Senators Cory Bush and Ben Ray LeWan proposed the Uncap America Act that would ban data caps on consumer high-speed broadband in the U.S. A chess-playing robot in Russia breaks its seven-year-old opponent's finger. Reports are that the robot is completely safe, so long as you don't move too fast. Netflix reports on its second quarter earnings. Subscribers are down in the second quarter in a row, but not by as much as initially thought. And should Google buy Snapchat? Things haven't been great for Snap pretty much since the company went public, and Google might need a social media play to combat its core business losses to TikTok and Instagram. We've got all this and more in episode 45 of the Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly via Orlando this week, it's your girl Tech Life Stuff. And out of the suburbs of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Mr. Back to School. I got my, yeah, 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 uh, my kids are going back to school next week. Oh, so, man, they go early. Yeah. I mean, Dak. Yeah, so, well, yeah, but they get out early, so I guess it's a trade-off, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, getting the kids ready for school. Took them school, uh, school shopping this past weekend, shoe shopping, that whole thing. They are... Yeah, they are getting their hair done and all that stuff this week. So, you know, they were we were talking to them a little bit this weekend about I remember when we were growing up, picking out your first day outfit was a big deal. So Listen, just ask, biggest. Yeah, just yeah, just Huge. asking them, just asking them now, uh, what is that experience? Is that a thing? And they were they said, yeah, but it, I don't I didn't get the impression it was the same. When do we they just do up. first day outfits? Because we used to get a week's worth of clothes for a back to school. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> your boy, uh, <laughs> I I would I didn't have it like that. I had I could my my folks could muster up the first day. <laughs> oh, trust we were we were getting them from like Hill. It's, it was a it was a department store called Hills, yep. mm-hmm. which is like um, a little bit above a Kmart, Walmart, like a step up above that. So and they had been on layaway for two months. So it wasn't like, you know, we could just roll up in Macy's and buy five outfits off the rack. We definitely budgeted and, and paid on it and, and everything else. But we just that was just kind of everybody in our neighborhood. Just you would usually get an outfit for every day of that first week of school and or at least three days was like a okay. minimum. Um, look, look, but yeah, I, 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 I love I, my little school clothes outfits. When that lay, when it was like time I, to get that layaway off, shoot, it was on and popping. For me, it was the shoes. Was you gonna wear the K Swiss or the British Knights or do y'all remember the Kangaroos? Ridges, yeah, yeah. Back British the, Knights, Kangaroos, Felines. When I got my 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 suede, they were navy suede Fila high tops. 
Couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> so before we get into these tech stories, Stephanie, I got to ask you a question because <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> you looking at the notes? How in the I world <laughs> did you make it all the way to the second half of 2022? Explain that to me. I didn't travel enough by plane. I just, it just never, I was like, eh, you know, I probably should get out of, I just didn't think about it un, because I just didn't travel enough, honestly. And it was like, you know, even before COVID, I didn't, I didn't do that much traveling. I ain't gonna lie. I just didn't go too many places. So I just never thought about it, but I knew, um, I was going to have a lot of travel coming up for the rest of this year. And with everything that was happening in airports and the challenges with delays, I just didn't want that to be a thing that caused me a problem. So um, I was like, I can at least get that squared away and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it was, it was a beautiful thing. No, man, I just, shoo, just breezed on through shoes still on my feet, laptop still in my bag. It was, it was wonderful. Well, it all depends what what airport you are at, because Rob, you just said no line. I'm flying out of Hartsville Jackson International. (laughs) That's the biggest airport in the world, so that's a steal. (laughs) So perspective, Uh, TSA pre-check is is nice, but when I'm flying out, it don't matter. TSA pre-check, they'd be like, all right. Go down that way. The line's way down there for pre-check. I'm like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> now they want to give you clear. And it's like, you know what? I'll just get there super early and just not do anything for two hours right. and just stand there. And that just had to be it. <laughs> right. And that's what I did uh, yesterday. My flight ended up being delayed um, 30 minutes. Uh, so it wasn't too bad. But I was there well in advance. Um, and that is what I will continue to do. Uh, but again, it really, even if it wasn't quicker necessarily, the fact that I don't have to take my shoes off and take shit out my bag and all the rest of it, like that's, that's, it was worth it for that, honestly. Which in, uh, speaking of perspective, all the extra stuff we do at TSA is pointless, not pointless, but the reason why we had to do it back after nine 11, it's like so much stuff has happened and everybody's all freaking out about all this other stuff. And it's like, all right, shoe bombs. It's like, come on, man. We, that's what we still (laughs) checking for. I know. I know. It's like, relax. (laughs) And you would think with them scanners, they'd be able to find them anyway with the full mm -hmm. body scanner. Like you can't Mm -hmm. find some C4 and a heel of a shoe. No, I'm just going to, I'm all about the TSA pre-check. I've had it for ever. Um, but I used to travel a lot. So I, I say like this, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I think, Stephanie, if you travel more than twice a year, or I will say if you travel twice a year, it probably makes it worth it. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. Considering you, it's, it's not super expensive. It's, it's like it's, five it's, years or it's, whatever. It's, 80, it's $85 and a 20-minute appointment. Now, if you got to drive yeah. all over Earth to go find where you have to do it, that might make it a little bit more uncomfortable because you might have to drive across town to go, you know, to do the screening. But mm-hmm. if you're in a decent sized city, um, you probably can find multiple places to get screened. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a fan because it saves yeah, absolutely. hours and hours of time. And if you travel internationally, that global check, um, I started to get entry. that. 
I started to get global reentry, but it was going to take too long. Um, pre-check was only going to take like three to five days to get processed. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a, I had this trip. It, actually, it, this was the trip that I wanted to make sure I had pre-check for global entry was saying, you know, six to eight weeks or whatever. And I was like, I don't really want to wait, um, and not have it for this particular trip. So I was like, let me get the pre-check first and then work on global entry, uh, next time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all about the pre-check, man. I, you know, I, I walk through with my, I walk through with my pinky up feeling like I'm, like I'm special okay, because special. like y'all peasants standing there in line waiting uncomfortable and I just walk right to the front. Even though but, there was uh, literally nobody in any line when I got to my airport, it was so, I was so surprised at how deserted it was at the airport at Philly International when I got there. There was literally nobody anywhere going anywhere. So um, pre-check, no pre-check, but I get to keep my shoes on. That's all I care about. So before, before y'all, we get started with the show, let me just, uh, let folks know how they can support the tech john so if you were to head over to www.patreon.com forward slash the tech john you'll find that we are on patreon and you can support the show by becoming a patron and we have multiple tiers i think we've got three tiers over there any one of those tiers gets you access to the live recording and the after party of our shows plus a, you know a bunch of other benefits we've got a uh uh, a discord uh, server that we've got up and running where we're actually starting to do some more things over there. But uh, it's just a way that if you like what we're bringing to you each week, it gives you a way to give uh, back to us so we can keep giving to you. And once again, that is patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That is the tech J A W N. So the first story that we're going to get into this week, I think probably affects everybody who is listening uh, you know, to this show. It's uh, where uh, the Democrats uh, have proposed a ban. I should say two Democrats have proposed a ban on data caps. So if you uh, think about your wireless plan, um, there is probably some kind of data cap on it. Even if they tell you you have unlimited data, unlimited data, depending on what carrier you're on, means anywhere from Mm -hmm. probably 15 gigabytes to like 22, maybe 25 gigabytes of data. And then they start to meter you after that. And what uh, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey and Ben Ray, um, what is that? Ben Ray Lewan of New Mexico have proposed is the Uncap America Act, where they would actually place bans um, on the telecom companies from placing these, these really the, the data caps are ridiculous because they don't really do anything. It's not like there is a limited amount of data. So for them to cap you at 22 gigabytes, to cap you at 15 gigabytes, to cap you at 30 gigabytes doesn't actually do anything. Um, so they want to actually, you know, get these things removed. I'm all for that, but I won't even say that this is getting, it's definitely not going to get bipartisan support. I don't know if it's going to get partisan support because there's a whole lot of Democrats, just like uh, Republicans who are on them you know, payrolls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on those big telecom payrolls. <laughs> so I'm all for it if they can get it done, because when you think about how data works, like I said, they, they think, well, if, you know, if, if you're using more than 22 gigs, you're taking data away from someone else. And that is absolutely not how it works. If you think of data, uh, think of those those big concrete culverts, those big giant storm pipes. If that's the data that comes from, uh, you know, the data, you know, from the telecom companies, well, when you get your broadband connection to your house, it's like putting a straw in that. Now, ultimately, 
if thousands and thousands of people are all pulling the maximum amount of data at the same time that they possibly can, that could be affected. The flow of that overall data could be affected, but that has nothing to do with the amount of data that you've transferred from, you know, from time A to time B. It has all to do with how many people are pulling um, you know, on the data at the same time. So it's kind of like if you've ever lived in an apartment building where everybody's taking a shower at the same time, you may not have the same water pressure. That's mm-hmm. how data is, is adversely affected. It's not whether or not you fill your bathtub up to the tippy top every single time you run the bathtub. It's just right. what time are you running it in, you know, conjunction with other people who are also running it. So data caps really don't make any sense in the way that the companies are using them at this point. The way they're using them right now is literally just to, when you hit this, this arbitrary number, we ultimately can get more money out of you. We can charge you more money. Yeah. Right. So what are your guys thoughts on them actually trying to get something passed? Say they did something. I don't know. Well, no, they, <laughs> they, they just they tried that's, something. That's kind of they, what they it just, sounds they like just, to me. They yeah. just introduced legislation, you know, like Cory Booker, Ben Ray Luan. Um, it seems is, is this supposed to be some sort of like interim step before we can get, um, internet classified as a public utility because uh, that's the real thing. Um, this this seems like to Terrence's point a little bit performative, or or maybe it's again that interim step. They're taking baby steps towards a public utility uh, classification or something. Because I think you know they should be all in on that and and all these little baby steps in between. I don't know necessarily that they make that much of a difference, but. But I don't think people really understand uh, what all of this adds up to either. So maybe people think that this is a big step or some, a big stride or something. I remember, um, you know, this is this is back in the day. Um, my wife has the primary phone for whatever reason. Her number is the primary on our plan. Well, I know why. I had a work phone for years and years and years. So when I got the family plan, her phone was the primary one on it because it was always my backup phone. But she would say, hey, uh, you know, to like my oldest daughter, she's about to run out of data. And I'm like, you know, you know, how do you run out of data? You can't really run out of data. Uh, it's, it's an unlimited thing. But no, she's, she's going to hit the amount of data because she would stream everything to her phone. And this is back in the day when you didn't get 22 gigs, you got seven or, or, or nine. So you, you could, you could eat through that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, your question was, is, is this, the, you know, to make this uh, a public utility again? I don't know what they're doing. This, to me, this is one of those things to where you're introducing something that you know has no chance because as I said, the, you know, bipartisan, you know, it's not that, but I don't know that they can actually get this through just the Democrats in the Senate. Um, right. to, to try to get this thing passed. If I had, you know, if, if I would hope they were working on something, it's like, let's bring net neutrality back. Let's make it so that the little guys can actually that too. Google, um, right. you know, you know, I, I don't need to be protected by uh, my internet company by making it impossible for me to compete with Netflix. Um, they have somehow spun that into, you know, they're doing the things they do there for, you know, for our protections. Um, that's not necessarily what this story is, but that's what I would hope that they would bring back if they're going to do anything, you know, make it to where, you know, a bit is a bit, a bite is a bite. And, um, you know, I'm not, you're not getting preferential treatment. Um, if you are on this service as compared to that service, or, you, you know, if, well, if you don't use our service, you can't get HBO. Uh, no one's really doing that. You can always buy HBO, but what you're seeing now is that, you know, depending on what company you go with and who they're owned by, bundles happen. Oh, so, absolutely. And that, I think that was the point of the 
the whole idea of the public utility is that they it would sort of um, net neutrality would kind of be built into that idea uh, by default. So, um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Cory Booker, like he trying to justify his paycheck or something, I guess. <laughs> well, you know what? You miss 100 percent of the shots you'd ever take. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. I'm not I, mad. I, 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 generally, I generally try to have, uh, you know, a optimistic view of stuff. You do. You're you're the you're the this, this <laughs> I can't on this you're one. The rose colored glasses. One of the group. I'm like, yeah, this, this one. Ha- it, it has no shot. <laughs> it has no shot. Uh, and and no. I don't know. And, and it, it's funny because you wonder about this type of thing and you wonder if they're just doing it for you know, a psychological win because there are such other ginormous looming issues like abortion right, reproductive rights and gun control. And there's like so much other. And it's like, can we just do this one thing just to maybe get some momentum going or make us feel better or just, you know, boost morale in, in Washington or like, I, I would really love to understand the motivation behind these types of initiatives that that don't make a whole lot of sense that wouldn't make that much difference if they passed at all that don't have a good chance of getting passed anyway. Um, like all of that stuff is like, what is the point of this? You know, besides optics. Like I said, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take and you never know at some point people might say, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Uh, it happens. Bills do get passed, yes. but believe it or not in our, you know, in our government, things actually do happen from time to time um, that are beneficial <laughs> to people. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't know if you I take the so. jaded juice today, but yeah, those <laughs> things do happen. So this is this is one of those ones. But like I said, I'm I'm not going to hold my breath on the Uncap America Act. Uh, I absolutely, and, and it absolutely is something that needs to be done because if you just think, as I said, the, the reason for the caps makes no logical sense. There's not a finite amount of data, so the cap well, it does. A, yeah. It, for the company, it makes perfect sense. Oh, it makes perfect how sense for we, them. How do yeah. we make more money? Our mm-hmm. society is built on making as much yeah. money as possible. And as these companies, these data companies like, oh, we can come up with these tiers and you got to pay for this much and you got to pay for this much and you got to pay for this much. It makes perfect sense. I mean, our, again, it's uh, to me, it's part of a bigger picture. You You get rid of data caps and you get rid of these type of practices when you get rid of the larger things that affect society, like in this case, net neutrality, like you mentioned, you, you make the internet free and open in general. And then little things like this kind of fall into place versus trying to chop at the little bitty things. Right. But you got this big right. old trunk <laughs> that's, right. you know, your little chopping ain't going to do too much of a difference. But again, can our capitalistic society make a large enough change to how we do business on the internet or how the internet runs in general to where this becomes a moot point? And I don't know if we can do that. Yeah. So, so I'm going to call a bit of an audible. I want to talk about, uh, this article I just read about Tesla literally right as we were in the, uh, you know, our, our pre-show. Cause Terrence, you had some thoughts on it, but, uh, let me just put it out here. Tesla has decided that they're going to, after eight years of owning a Tesla, start charging you for connectivity. So, uh, up until this point, that connectivity was free for the, for the basic connectivity simply by owning a Tesla. If you buy a Tesla after July 20th, however, you only now get eight years. 
Um, so I wanted to, you know, kind of throw that out to you guys, but also I, I want to piggyback on this story from a, you know, from a week or so ago where BMW is, uh, you know, they're, they're charging. Um, and this is not here in the States yet. And I don't know if it'll ever get here based off of the, 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 the amount of feedback and fallout that they got from this, but there are places in the world where BMW actually charges for things that are built into your car to actually be enabled. For example, uh, the heating elements in seats. So if you want to have heated seats, you literally need to pay them not a one-time charge. You need to pay them a subscription monthly to have heated seats. So it seems like as we move into the future and we get more into EVs and the, and the BMW thing is not even on EVs. That's just on, that's just on regular cars that you're going to have a car note. And you're going to have a lease note when you think about all the services that you have to have turned on or that you, that you would like to have turned on in order to enjoy the whip that you just paid full price for. What are your guys' thoughts on that? So I want to make sure I understand in the Tesla story is this they are chart. They will eventually after eight years of owning the vehicle, they're going to switch to where you have to pay the user charger network or no, 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 you, no, 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 no. So, 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 so basically, uh, your, your car has wireless connectivity all the time when you have a, mm-hmm. a you know, a Tesla where they're pushing updates, mm-hmm. they're pushing, mm-hmm. you know, firmware, they're pushing all that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. real time all the time. Um, up until a couple of days ago, that was the case on if you just had a Tesla, this was always the case for it. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying after eight years, you, we're going to start charging you a monthly fee or a yearly fee in order uh, to continue to, to get connectivity. the connectivity to get the updates uh, and all that kind of stuff for the car. And see, I that I I'm, I just I'm just skimming this because I was I was wondering about would I be able to still drive my car without it? And my my first guess is probably. However, will I sacrifice safety? eight years from now, if I refuse to pay for this, like if I really just bought a Tesla because I thought it was a, I like the design. I thought it was a good car, well-made car. And I want an electric vehicle as opposed to getting a Chevy Volt or, or a Leaf or whatever. Um, and I just want this Tesla and I don't want to pay for this subscription because I don't care about being able to play Xbox inside my car or, you know, get all the latest bells and whistles Will the functionality of the vehicle itself and the safety of the vehicle be compromised if I don't continue to pay for the updates? That right. would be Acor- my question. According to this story, it says standard service is the lower of the two connectivity tiers that Tesla offers. It offers navigation, but lacks live traffic, video streaming and other features from the premium tier, which already costs $99 per year. Most people upgrade to the premium features, so this won't be a massive change for many buyers. So just reading that uh, sentence or paragraph, it sounds like no. If you just said, no, I don't want to pay for nothing outside of me purchasing the vehicle. Mm. Only thing you're going to lose is some video stream, like you said, play Xbox and watch Netflix and get live traffic, which weighs Google Maps CarPlay, Android Auto, you plug your phone up to your Tesla, which if I recall, there was a story a couple of weeks ago where uh, Musk said he was mulling over the idea of allowing or adding CarPlay to Tesla. So if that's the case and that does go through, all I got to do is hook my phone up and then I've got my laugh traffic 
you know, I've got my, you know, weather if I need it, uh, video streaming. I could get that right over my phone, <laughs> provided that the carrier don't hit me with those data caps we talked about in the previous story. <laughs> but to answer your question, no, it doesn't seem like you're going to be missing but on any essential a, things if you don't pay for it. If there's a firmware update, though, and I'm not paying for connectivity past eight years, am I going to get that update? I would I, certainly have to offer that, wouldn't they? Because see, I was thinking kind of the same thing. Operation. If it's like a recall type thing, so right. Um, th- like this, it literally it came out forty minutes before we're live on the air. So you know, so there's probably more that's going to be written about this, and we can maybe you know revisit it in you know next week's show or something like that. But my gut would tell me if the, if there's like, oh, we found this with the battery, and if you don't do this, your battery is at risk at risk of blowing up. Then I think Tesla's going to figure out a way to push that out, or at least have it to where there's a recall, you now have to take your car to the service center and maybe they do the firmware update when you actually bring the car in like you would on any other car that doesn't have all these wireless updates that are being pushed out to it. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, as the things that they probably are not going to give you for free after eight years, if it's just maps, if it's just stuff like that, if it's just new features that your car didn't come with, I'm not terribly bothered by that. Where I do have an issue and Earth or at least America had issues when they when they saw this BMW story. So I'm going to buy the car. I'm paying full price for the car. The car comes with heating elements in my seats. But unless I give you more money every month, you're not going to enable them. You're actually going to you know, you're basically going to govern, you know, govern actual hardware in my vehicle. Um, I have a problem with that because my car would have cost less if I wouldn't have had those things in it. If, you know, if you're going to just build like, you know, one car, if you're going to go the Southwest model to where there's just one model of car, every car is the same, but based off of your preferences, you can turn this on, you can turn that on, and then we're going to charge you accordingly based on that. I have a problem with it because I could not have the heating elements and my car should cost a little bit less. I cannot have Absolutely. a heated steering wheel and my car should cost a little bit less. Well, so you're making, I don't, are you making the assumption that, uh, you can't do that? Opt out of the car seats, the heated car seats altogether? Cause I'm, I'm assuming when in right now, when you option, quote unquote, option a vehicle, you can choose the heated and cooled leather seats. You can choose the leather wrap steering wheel and you can choose the premium sound system and things like that. Right. So mm-hmm. what I was, my point was, well, what the point I was going to get to is I'm not really bothered by this only because heated car seats and cooled car seats is a very niche thing that I don't think many people use. I was going to use myself for example. I've got a car that's got heated and cooled front seats. I can count on three fingers <laughs> how many times I use them joints. Right. So, so you live so, in Atlanta now. Apparently, you don't remember when you lived in Indianapolis, when you lived in Indiana. Uh, oh, it is I cold live, up here. Man. Heated seats I, are a thing and, where I'm at. And my mama and my daddy made me go out and start the car. <laughs> and we had to wait <laughs> an extra five minutes until the car <laughs> heated, heated up and we climbed in. Right. Uh, even down here in Atlanta, humidity's crazy. It's hot in a mug down here. I can count on three or four fingers how many times I've used the cool seats. It's like a novelty niche thing. Now it could be a slippery slope to where they're like, all right, well, let's try heated seats and then let's move into the, uh, heated, uh, steering wheel. Why all is right, that well, even something that can be control? Like it's got a computer. Like chip you in. said, it, I, but 
how that's that I don't that's not I don't think that's right. I think I think I agree with Rob in the fact that this is hardware. You know, this is this is an option I bought specifically and paid extra for in this vehicle. This hardware does this thing like turning it on and off. It's not costing the the car company anything. Anytime I turn that thing on and off, it's, I'm just flipping a switch. It's costing me more because it may take more gas. It might run the gas out quicker or, or drain the battery quicker. So it might cost me a little bit more in, in terms of, you know, wear and tear on the vehicle, but it's not actually costing the company anything to have me flip that switch and turn that heating coil on in that seat. So, so, so why are you charging point. me for it? So, so here's one of the things, and I think that uh, BMW and then other people have come out and clarified. So I do believe that if you, when you are specking your car out and you purchase it up front, if you say, I want heated seats, then they charge you for it then, and then you just have heated seats. Mm-hmm. It right. is if you decide six months later when it's cold, oh, those heated seats would have been really nice if I would have got them. Mm-hmm. Now you pay a subscription to have the heated seats. So my point them, is, so they'll put them in a car well, that didn't after, have well, them. Well, they're, they're not putting anything in. They're just literally giving you the ability to turn what's already in your car. Uh, now, here's the thing, though. Mm, I own the car. I own the car. So just like I can take my car to an aftermarket, uh, you know, facility and, and have them do whatever they want. Can I take it right. to an aftermarket and have them? Hey, I want you to go uh, hack well, these seats and turn, turn this, this on. This so, so. Seats. So what was y'all doing when you talk about kids and back in the day? Uh, I know a couple of y'all had the cable with the chip in the cable box that was nah, hacking. I wish we did. We didn't have that. We didn't have no cable for a long fast, time. Well, let's fast forward to right now. I know family members has got them fire. Uh, oh, yeah. TV bo- the sticks. Yes. Absolutely. What they say in Jurassic, what they say in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, all so, day. I, but I'm, I'm, I'm really curious that though, oh, because folks going to figure out a way around this little loophole. If you put in <laughs> yeah. that technology in the car anyway and just telling me I can't turn it on, bruh. We gonna figure out how to turn it on. Um, but yeah. I'm wondering how that's going to work. And the other thing too is that, well, if I don't want heated seats, if I don't want to heat a steering wheel, uh, yes, I'm not paying extra to have that turned on, but I am paying for what's in the car because the, the, car the manufacturers, ability, to my knowledge, don't build cars that they don't get paid for, um, when they sell them. So. You know, I'm I'm just thinking. Let, let's I'm just going to make numbers up. So let's say your car costs a you know it costs twenty five thousand dollars, but you don't have heated seats and here steering wheels to get uh-huh. the uh, you know it, let's say it costs twenty six to have that turned on. Uh-huh. Well, do you think that the car company lost money selling you the car for twenty five when you had no intention of ever turning it on? I think the answer to that is no. So from my standpoint. Why am I being penalized? Why am I having to pay twenty five because when if you wouldn't have had those things in there. Right. It could have cost, cost twenty. It, it could have cost twenty three. You know, twenty four, twenty three. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the point that I'm stuck on. It's like I don't want to be charged for things that I didn't want simply because you thought it was more cost effective to just put everything in the car and then charge subscriptions By to have default. it turned on. Right, right. So, that's a, I mean, that's a good point. So, like if I so just like, want so, the bare minimum, give me the bare minimum and let me be let my butt be cold. Like, like don't be trying to don't be trying to grandfather me into something that I didn't ask for and then charge me for it on the back end. And it did right. just, it, you know, capitalism at its finest. 
So, you know, just to recap the Tesla story, I'm not annoyed by it. I don't like it. You know, this thing that they used to offer free. Now they don't. Um, they're a company and they're trying to make money. Um, and, and that's what they're doing. And if, if you're going to buy the car, you know, there's going into it. But I'm, I'm, I just have a real problem with, oh, so wait a minute. My car has heated seats in it and you just broke it. I now need you to hit me with the software update so that actually the thing that I already have in my car that I pay money for works. That's a little oh, bit folks problematic. Folks will be jailbreaking their cars sooner rather than later. We'll they see. Will, cars will be getting jailbroken like ASAP if they haven't already. We will see. So here's, here's a, here's another little quick story that we should talk about. Uh, did you hear about the chess playing robot that broke a little boy's finger? I think a little seven year old boy's Bro. finger that he was playing against. <laughs> and I, when I, when I read this, I'm like, are and you I don't mean to laugh at the little boy's broken <laughs> finger, but just, you know, the, the, listen, the robots is getting tired of us. That's, that's what it is, is they, they, they gain in sentience. And speaking of sentience, they fired the boy at Google who said his AI got sentient and, you know, start talking to him and making up his own stories or whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So a, a, a young boy, a seven year old boy in Moscow was playing chess with a robot. Um, apparently if, if I was reading the story correctly, you aren't supposed to make very fast moves with yeah. the robot. So you can't maybe like, if the robot makes this move, you can't hurry up and make your move or you can't start reaching onto the board while the robot is still sort of trying to get their piece down or contemplating their move or anything like that. You got to You got to just back off while the robot is doing its thing. And apparently this little boy was just a little too excited or anxious or, you know, trying to do it too quick. Or As something. little boys are. As little boys are, and which is why you don't need a little boy playing chess with a robot in the first place. If you know that this robot might be prone to grabbing folks slap you. fingers, because <laughs> right. Right. that's basically it seems like it, that's what it amounts to. Like the robot would have slapped his hand um, right. and said, "Not it's not your turn yet." And but he ended up grabbing his finger and broke the little boy broke finger. that joint. It's like it held on to it until joint. somebody came and released and it. But 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 can we talk about how the little boy was a writer and got his finger bandaged and kept playing the game? Yes. <laughs> he came, came back, back and started playing the game. I was like, go ahead, little bro. I was like, little dude, so, I would have been done with that daggone robot. Why so, on earth is this company or whomever testing this robot with a little boy? <laughs> with a child. <laughs> I know. With a child. That's just stupid. <laughs> so Here's who, what really got who, me who about the story. This? Who thought this was a good idea? I do believe that what happened happened. The little boy moved too quickly. The robot mm -hmm. didn't recognize his finger as compared to the piece it was trying to get. Thought his finger was the piece, grabbed his finger and was trying to move his finger where he, you know, where the robot was trying to move his finger. And, you know, it's a seven year old boy. It's like, it's probably not hard to break. I believe that right. that's what the story is. The response from the people running this tournament though. <laughs> was kind of it's like they said that this thing is completely safe and this was just i'm thinking not a little seven-year-old boy's finger got broke from it now i don't want to what is the word anthropomorphize uh the yeah. uh you know the, the robot but i feel like the robot might have been getting spanked by a little seven-year-old and felt some kind of way it was like oh you know i'm, I'm gonna show you it's like you know it ain't your turn get back and you know took it a little bit too far meant to smack his hand grabbed his finger and actually broke it you know that's i, I could see a person doing that well we are the robot, the robot is now robot done. Might have, yeah, right the robot was like, like he was being here's a quiz no. quote from the article 
quote, the robot broke the child's finger, said Moscow Chess Federation President Sergei Lazarev. This is, of course, bad. You think? Um, yeah, he implied that the robots supply. Uh, he, okay, Lazarus said the child had made a move, and after that, we need to give time for the robot to answer. But the boy hurried, and the robot grabbed him. He implied that the robot suppliers may need to work on the safety aspect, saying uh, they are going to have to think again. And Maybe they're calling the machine. That sounds uh, to me like it's the seven-year-old's fault that he got hurt because he moved too quick and the robot wasn't right. able to. You made that robot break your finger. Slow down. Uh, we I will just say Moscow, this. So. Would, well, hey, they, in this country, when it comes to child there. safety or pretty much everything but guns, um, right. we that will part. move Earth to make sure the children are protected. It's like there was a problem with three car seats. Let's shut the whole country's worth of the, that brand of car seat down to go make sure that all the babies in those car seats are safe. Well, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but it's just like, speak, this is a loose. Speak, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't put America on no pedestal when we just went through this whole <laughs> pandemic about these kids and these schools yeah, you with know these what? masks. Say so well, pump our brakes. That's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But yeah, they don't seem to care too much that old boy finger got broke. And but, yeah, he didn't, he didn't like, care a whole lot either. He came back and finished the game. So he I came mean, back and finished, but it's like the fact that they're uh, saying, oh, these things are completely safe. And I'm like, but okay, they're not. well, if they're not safe, then what happens? Is it like <laughs> not just break your finger? Does it break your arm? Does it, you know, what, is, what does it do? Does it fight you? What happens when they're not safe? So that was, uh, you know, the interesting thing about that story to me. I just thought it's like, you know, I know it's a robot. I know that it has no feelings. It didn't do this on purpose. At least I don't think that it was. I don't think Skynet's here yet. But uh, it's like their reaction. I would have been a little bit more up in arms about it. That's just. Me. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right, y'all. So this next story, um, it's actually a couple of stories. The, the first one is about, uh, you know, they're both about earnings. The first one is uh, Netflix earnings. So Netflix, uh, they basically uh, missed their number again. Now, they actually told us they were going to miss after missing uh, last quarter. Uh, so they told us they were going to miss. They told us that they were actually going to have, uh, fewer users than they, uh, started the quarter off with, but they didn't miss as bad as they thought. 
So they, they, you know, so, you know, they, they lost nearly 1 million users, but that wasn't as bad because they're expecting almost, uh, 2 million to a churn. Actually, I think it was 1.3 million was, the, uh, you know, what they were expecting to lose, uh, you know, in the U.S. And that was almost exactly what they did in the U.S. and Canada. But they were thinking overall they were going to lose about 2 million worldwide. And it turns out that they actually only lost about a million. So I guess in a way that's kind of good. Um, and they're even thinking that next quarter they're going to come back. But Netflix, they're going to have to make some changes. In fact, they are, they are making quite a few of them. One of the big things that Netflix is going to be doing is they're going to be offering a uh, ad supported tier. This is something that their CEO has wanted to stay away from forever. But ultimately what's happening is that they have a ridiculous amount of watch hours. I want to say that they are up to 1.3 trillion watch hours. That's more than any American network. So that's more than uh, CBS, which is number two to them, which is uh, significantly south of that. It's more than, uh, you know, uh, ABC or, or, or CBS and a- or NBC. If you add those two up, they just get above where uh, Netflix is. But Netflix is literally dwarfing everyone else when it comes to streaming services. It's uh, um, Disney. It's like 256 million. So once again, they are, they are ridiculously far down the line as far as just the number of watch hours. But what Netflix can't do is they can't actually run ads, or at least they're not running ads right now. So it doesn't matter how much people are actually watching. They can't monetize. Once they get you, that's where their money comes from. Where all the other streaming services, once they get you, they get money from you for getting you. And they also, if you don't pay to not have ads, they get you there as well. And so if you were to think of Hulu, Hulu actually makes more money off of ads than they do off of subscriptions. That's still the case for them. So the uh, potential for Netflix could be substantial, but right now they're kind of going through it. So just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. You know, um, like, are you guys, do you have Netflix accounts? Um, you know, are you streaming? Do you watch a lot of content on Netflix? How's it going for you? Uh, I don't have I don't, my account. Yeah. I don't, like I, I I have it because I have it like because it just it doesn't make sense to get rid of it. I don't watch it as much as I used to um, just because I just don't watch that much as much television as I used to. Um, I think the idea that their Netflix growth goals, I think, might be just a little bit unrealistic based on how many other streaming services are out there right now. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think whoever forecasters or shareholders or something need to cut Netflix a little slack. I just think the way the market is saturated and I know it's not going to (laughs) happen, but just with the way the market is saturated. Yeah. It just, that just doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic to to believe that you are going to just keep growing. I mean, eventually you're going to run out of people to subscribe to this platform. Like it it, it, it just feels like they think that they should just keep growing. And I'm like, that's just not a realistic expectation to have at all. So I don't, I don't know, but I would watch ads if it meant you wouldn't like bother me about who else is connected to my account. Cause and the if people I will still be connected to my account. Right. Right. And if I didn't have to pay that much for not lackluster is not the right word, but it's the, the entertainment aspect, the content aspect doesn't mm-hmm. match up with how much it costs. So pricing, if I could pay, right. if I could pay less and just watch some ads in order to get the same okay content. It's true. I do that. I, I do Netflix that is the most expensive one. It's true. Netflix is it's, expensive as, yeah, it's, as it's, heck. It's, it's and really it's is. just like, 
you know, compared to Disney Plus or some of them other ones, Netflix needs to fall back on that whole y'all can't share accounts when you're charging people $20 a month for that stuff. So, like, yeah, like so, you said, that, that yeah. the content is, is just okay, mm-hmm. you know? So I think one of the things that's going to happen uh, with Netflix is that uh, they, they definitely are going to come after the, you know, the people who are sharing their passwords. They're, they're already doing it in other places around the world. Eventually that's going to catch up here. What'll be interesting though is that the amount that they're asking for it, uh, when you multiply the couple three dollars or whatever, whatever it is for, you know, for the additional accounts, uh, across the, you know, the tens of millions of homes that are doing it, that money is going to add up, you know, each month and that will definitely bolster their bottom line. But I wonder, you know, how many people like if you're not paying for Netflix right now, like I look at it like this. I know that my password is it's not shared out, you know, ex- extravagantly. But, you know, I know like my daughter, she uses my Netflix account. If they cut my daughter off, I don't really feel that bad about it. So it's like, hey, do you want to pay like this three off, to five dollars a month <laughs> or do you want to go get your own Netflix account? And pay this amount. I think most people who have Netflix are not going to say, oh, because I can't share my password anymore. I'm going to cancel. I don't think that's the case. Um, where I do think Netflix can make some moves is with the advertising. Um, and I will say this because Netflix is the, the platform that I watch the most content on. And there's a lot of times when I'm watching, um, you know, actual television shows that were made for network TV and there's just time slots where a commercial would be. And I do like not having to watch commercials, but there's a lot of times when I wish there was a commercial just so I could get up during the commercial, go, go run and grab me some popcorn and then come back, go, you know, go get me a drink, you know, or whatever and just come back and I can just take a break from from that that so what the pause button is that is what the pause button is for (laughs) but you still you still need a prompt you you know you need a prompt of when it's supposed to happen so um i don't know that i would be opposed to commercials what will be interesting to see is how many people who currently have a netflix account would say i want to keep my next my netflix account but i want to actually pay less money for the account and get ads i don't know that that's a big number because it's like once you're already once you've already conditioned yourself to pay the almost twenty dollars a month that this thing costs, does no? I uh, would pay less for ads. So, so okay, yeah, and I then, would absolutely absolutely pay less for ads. And then Rob, you got to consider, you know, uh, the competition is only going to grow. So right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. people may only may condition themselves to say ah twenty dollars, nineteen, fifteen, twenty dollars for Netflix ain't that bad. Well, that's right now. Now, when NFL comes out with their streaming service, which they are already doing, coming out with a streaming service, um, and I could go to net to NFL app or NFL.com and pay to get football channels and football uh, content and extra stuff and all the things that NFL offers. But then they want five, six, seven dollars. Now I'm like, all right, well, and now somebody's got to get chopped off at the knees. You, and you think about the fact that uh, Apple TV just got all the MLB games, and they're um, trying to get, and they're trying season. to get Direct TV, and they're trying to get uh, Sunday Ticket. You that's know, that's what's that's what's going to mess us up is the fact that these yeah. sports franchises and and major movie franchises and things like that are moving to specific streaming services. So you have to 
have a piece of each of them to get the kind of content you really want. Mm. That, I mean, at this point, I'm like, can't we just go back to cable? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, you know cable what? Really wasn't that Lightweight. bad. You know, when you think about it, cable really wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, no, cable was horrible. Cable it was really horrible. was. It, was. It, it, it cable was horrible. But it's become um, so splintered now, now that but, you pay as much as you would pay for cable to get all the shows you want. And so, it is very uh, frustrating on a Saturday night, especially for me and my family. Saturday night, uh, well, Friday night is movie night and sitting down and getting the fam, dragging my kids <laughs> into the living room went against their will. Pretty much got to put a <laughs> handcuffs on them to get them to spend time with the family. And then they got to sit there and wait for us for 20 minutes while we find out what show is where. And do we have that? And how, do we have to pay mm-hmm. it? And it just, mm-hmm. look, people are going to start. It's people are going to start picking and choosing who the winners are and Netflix. They, they may not be in the winner circle if they continue to put out okay content and then trying to clip people with these shared things and, you know, um, still is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I even, I think I even talked about this on this show at one point I had like 11 or 12 different services that I was paying monthly for. So, when I, when, I, when I actually look at my cable bill, because I still have internet through the cable company, and then I look at all these services I'm paying for, it's like, I'm actually paying more now than I was paying when I actually just had cable. This is what I'm saying. So I started doing this June 1 of this year, so not even two months ago. Um, I, you know, I did it in June. I did it in July. I went through, and every single service that I had not watched at least a second of content in um, the last, the previous month, I canceled. So I think I ended up out of the 12 that I had, I ended up canceling like six, uh, six services plus like Apple music. Cause I, you know, I just had Apple music cause I bought an iPad and it, I got the six months free. I never even got to the point where I was paying for it, but I went ahead and canceled it cause I just, I never actually even used it. So, and I did the same thing in July. In July, I only had one to cancel. Um, but I canceled Apple TV in July, not because I didn't really enjoy the stuff that I was watching on Apple TV. But when I watched all the stuff that I was watching on Apple TV, there was nothing else that I was watching on Apple TV. So a month went by and I said, oh, let me just cancel it. So I will just when it, you know, if there's another, you know, episode or something I want to watch, I will just go purchase it again and then start up and watch. And then once I go 30 See, days, I've I'm going to get I've never been a person that can do that. Like if I'm canceling, then I'm just never going to watch that again. <laughs> like I'm just not going to be back and forth, you know, canceling, re-signing up. Can't, I ain't doing that. Like it, it would have to be something yeah. like, super significant to to make me re-sign up for like Issa Rae would have to bring back Insecure and I'd be like okay I'll, I'll well, sign up for well, HBO Max again like it would have to be something like legit significant like that but the idea that I'm just gonna keep ping-ponging back and forth I, I'm just like eh F it I'm just gonna pay <laughs> well you know, for me th- th- that's what it is if there's something that I would actually pay to watch I'll go pay to watch it Um and for me it was I can't even think of the name of it. It was uh that show with Jason Momoa on Apple TV where See. everybody's blonde. See. See. I really like that. So I watched it. I watched the first season. I watched the second season. Once C was over, um, uh, for all mankind was something that people told me about, but it was like maybe three episodes and it, it was actually really good. I just didn't get into it to keep watching it every single week. You didn't watch so, the one with Sam Jackson? 
I don't even know which one Sam Jackson is. It was it, it's uh the um the old man or something like that. Yes, it was so good. Oh my god, I gotta think of a name. I gotta find a name. They got a couple of them on Apple TV. While you look, uh, and the new, I heard. Uh, I, I gotta go back good. and start watching. I started watching it, and I was like, eh. But everybody talked about how good it was, so I'm gonna start it over again. So yeah, so um, like I'm completely the open. The show loot is really funny. Yeah, I'm completely open to going back as long as there's something on there that would actually bring me back. And this, like I said, it was it was thirty days was my metric. If I don't watch for thirty days, I'm getting rid oh, of it. The last days of Ptolemy Gray was oh, okay. Sam Jackson's uh, Never show. Heard of it. it was so good. Oh my gosh, so so good. Anyway, I I digress. Yeah. So I'm keeping so anyway. all my stuff. <laughs> I'm keeping all my stuff. <laughs> Bottom line is, I'm keeping all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I need all my stuff. I need so. all my stuff. But Netflix is saying, however, that they do believe that in the ne- you know by the end of the next quarter they will be back to adding net subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, they, although that number is uh, significantly south of what it was one year ago, ending Q3 last year. But they are going to get back to uh, you know net net ads, uh, you know by the by next quarter. So just, we'll, we'll just see. add that. Just put the ads in there, and yeah, like, they 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 honestly, dance like around. all this they, back and forth. Oh, they're they're and, going yeah. to do threatening us they're that we can't share the accounts and all that stuff. Just let us get an ad supported version, pay less mm-hmm. money, and mm-hmm. shut up and keep it moving. Like yeah, we, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't actually. Uh, this is one of the stories we had in our rundown for I think like towards the end of June or something like that. But we just we were running late and we didn't get to it. But they worked out like some kind of deal with Microsoft. Um, I believe where, uh, you know, they're going to be running ads through like Microsoft's ad platform or something like that. So it's, it's definitely coming. Um, um, I think in 2023. So they're actually getting it a little quicker than what we even thought um, when they mentioned sugar. that they were thinking about doing it last Let year. Let me pay or, or not last year, but last quarter. Yeah. I want to be back to paying nine ninety nine for my Netflix. I would not mind that. So the other uh, the other story, and th- there's not a lot of news around this. I kind of want to just you know have a conversation and, and get you guys uh, you know take on this. So Snap, um, the company behind Snapchat, had yet another disappointing quarter. Um, earnings per share um, was a loss of two cents adjusted versus the expected loss of one cent. Revenue was one point one one billion versus one point one four, as expected. And global daily active users was three hundred forty seven million versus three hundred forty two. So they actually did better on the daily active users um, than what they were thinking. But everything else is down. And this company is they they are just they're taking a trim on the day that they announced last week they were down. 25% after hours this year. I want to say they're down like 68%. Um, I don't know what's going on with Snap, but for me, I don't know if you guys use it. I simply no, have never not been all. able to get into it. It's completely capable. It's my, a- my, uh, my my daughter, 14-year-old, they're heavy into it. That's all. That and TikTok is all their own. It for is. Them. It's, a, it's a kid's app. Like, honestly, right. there's, there's literally no and, and even because I, I would go on like every I tr- just to try to be regular on it just because, you know, I want to stay abreast of what the kids is doing uh, because I talk about it. And even like the um, branded content from like they have like content on there from like Vice and, and E and, and others like there's just really no incentive for an adult to be on that app. Honestly, <laughs> there really isn't it. 
<laughs> so so here's here's the question I want to ask. Should Google relook at buying this company? If you uh, if you remember back in I think it was back in 2016, early 2017, Google was rumored to be in talks with, you know to buy Snap for like 30 30 billion dollars. Now Snap probably might wish at this point they would you know if that was true that they might have taken that money because I don't think the company is worth that now. I think it's like worth about 16.7 billion or something like that. And that number's going down because they keep slipping and missing Quickly. these numbers. But Google has never been good with uh you know with you know social. They just they just never have. Um they've never been and, good with it. And they don't need to be. I don't know why they keep trying. Like oh, just well, well, here's the question. And YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Well, here's one of the things. So, uh, when you think about YouTube, you can say, well, we know that TikTok is the biggest website on the world, that it gets the most traffic in the world. So clearly, uh, YouTube is probably taking a little bit, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, of a beating from TikTok, but also it's some of Google's other primary services. So people are actually using TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. to search for restaurants for and search. use maps, to, yeah. you know, f- you know, for search and stuff like that. So my thought was, should Google, should they really be looking at Snap? Buying because Snap's if anything, not help that. <laughs> well, here, here's what it would help. There are a bunch of young millennials right now and whatever the generation behind millennials are <laughs> that uh, are all into this app. Are you building yourself a user base for the future? For, I don't want to just say a few billion dollars because like a few, you know, like this would probably cost them as it would have cost them, you know, back in 2016, roughly 30 billion dollars or so to actually make this kind of acquisition. But is that worth it to get people who are locked into it? Because I started to think about something like my, uh, you know, my youngest two is going to, uh, college. She is going to, she gets the choice of whether or not she wants to use Google, um, services. Or she can use, um, when they actually get both, they, you know, but she can use whichever one she wants. She's like, I'll just use Google because that's what I know. That's what I use. So she's in Google's ecosystem simply because Google is what she used in, you know, in high school, what she used in grade school and middle school, uh, is just what she knows. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you have all these, these very young folks who are just, they just live inside of Snapchat. If Google was to acquire them and not mess it up, if they were to acquire them like Facebook did WhatsApp or like Facebook did Instagram and not fundamentally change um, everything about the platform right off the bat, could they capture those users so that when they are young adults, when they are, you know, um, you know, out in the world making, you know, getting jobs would you know, would that be something that they would capture them, to use? capture them to do what, though, like ultimately. It- Put ads in front of them because I think problem right now is that you're putting a bunch of ads in front of a bunch of people who have no money to go purchase the things that they're seeing. Yeah, but they already got them. I, I guess the what, what I, I guess what additional benefits because Google is already putting ads in front of them when they go to YouTube, when they go to Google search uh, them spending 30 billion dollars roughly to get snap to give them more ads would probably bump their numbers up a little bit. But yeah, again, um, um, the only way I could, well, not the only way I could see, um, I don't see Google make it getting that much return on their investment when they could just do their tried and true to do a better job of hooking these kids in unless they just want to be in the game. If they just want to be in the social game with Twitter, with Facebook or with Meta, with uh, TikTok, then just say that. 
you know, right. uh, well, I, and I that, think and they that do. honestly seems like what it is. It's like, you know, they, they want to be in the smartphone game. So they keep making these phones, you know, now that's the pixel before there was a phone before that they had, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, Nexus. you know, I think, yes. And I, I think they do, they just want to be, you know, they want to be able to sit with the cool kids basically and, and say they have a social network, which is what they tried to do with, um, uh, it wasn't Google me, Plus. but it was, Google yeah. Plus, Google Plus. Yeah. So it was, I think they just want to be in the mix and it's just like, okay, well then go ahead. But uh, well, I, 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 I agree I, with Terrence that there's no, there's no real ROI on this for them besides bragging rights, honestly. Yeah. And like some, my, my thought was they absolutely want to be in that game and it is ultimately so they can continue to sell them ads uh, or sell them ads to put ads in front of them uh, and sell those ads to advertisers. That that's what I, you know, I think, you know, Google's reason for wanting to do something like this would be because Apple to me is really the only, uh, fang company that does not need social because Apple, they don't really sell your data. They, they basically are selling you products. They, they, you know, we want you to buy our hardware. Um, is how Apple rolls Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, Snapchat. Uh, you know, um, it, you know, Instagram is Facebook or, or I should say meta. They are all about you being their product and them selling you to their advertisers. And I mean, that, that's what Google does. Clearly it is number one on Google. It's number two on YouTube. But if they had those signals coming in from, uh, you know, a social platform, I think they would, they, they would be, you know, um, you know, dancing a jig and be very happy with that because right now they have concerns about. We're losing people doing search in Instagram. We're losing to people doing search in TikTok. So if we had Snapchat to kind of counteract that, would that, you know, I'm, I'm also looking at it like, a, you know, like a Facebook move with Instagram. Why, why would Facebook buy Instagram? Because there was a lot of young folks that were using Instagram that weren't using Facebook and Facebook said, well, if we can get them on this other platform, we still got them. Well, and I'm just wondering case. if that's the, the, the mode that Google would run. Well, um, if Google needed, they need to put on a big boy pants like Facebook did because Instagram was eating Facebook's lunch. And if Facebook <laughs> said, all right, well, we'll just buy Instagram. If Google is really about that life, go buy TikTok. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think they could afford TikTok. Though. Yeah, TikTok. And I don't think China, China wouldn't let it go. Yeah, China's not going to let that go. China is siphoning off way too much of our data. And China's not giving that resource up. at all. At all. Okay. All right, it's so then like a track, uh, look at Google's track record with social uh social platforms. Who's to say that Google in a uh money grab to throw ads in front of teenagers and tweenagers, they ruin Snapchat and then they just pay thirty billion Snapchat. dollars for what? Well right. let me let me I talk out the other side that. of my mouth. I would fully expect Google to be Google. So if they were to go get something that is cool to young people like, uh, you know, like Snapchat, it would take them roughly 2.3 years to actually make that thing that was cool no longer be cool. I fully expect that, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't try. <laughs> um, so I'm like I said, it's just a question. This is, there's no news on this. This is not something that we heard and it was a story, but it's like, you know, you, you tried to make this move back in 2016, um, for 30 billion. Um, Google's worth more than, more than, you know, um, today than they were then. If it was 30 billion, they probably have that laying around. Um, where could, you know, could they go out and snap up this company? Because I'm thinking, you know, what is Snapchat, you know, their stock price? They want to be 
I think there's somewhere around 17 billion, 18 billion or something like that. I I still, you know, side note, how is a company on the internet? Well, I mean, ads, but a free, something that is free uh, had these valuations when the platform is free. That still just blows my mind. I get it. The users are the data and we're there yeah. selling the ads. I get advertising it. Advertising is advertising is I, big business, yeah, man. It just, it That's just what blows people my fail mind to realize. Yeah. That Snapchat, a free service to use is worth quotes. 30 billion or however many well, billion dollars. Yeah. It is. And well, you know, yeah. that's on paper, number one. But, yeah. but data is, data is currency, man. Data is it's more valuable blow, than oil. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. When, when you think of 347 million people logging onto this thing every day, that's everybody in the United States and Canada old enough to log on this thing every day. That's a lot of people. Well, that's a lot people of people. Need, people need, we need to take our power back. And I don't know if we that's can do it. that though. Yeah. But. Shout out to uh, Angela Benton and uh, Streamlytics. What's, what's her company? Streamlytics. Mm-hmm. Streamlytics. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to mm-hmm. trying to get people paid for their data. That's the thing. It's data is currency. You ain't lying on that. Um, so, Tech Life Steph. Yes. To the time in the show, I think you have another spotlight for us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Kim Folsom? Let's talk about Kim Folsom. Kim Folsom is a co-founder, CEO, and managing partner of Founders First Capital Partners, LLC. And she is the founder and interim CEO of Lyft Development Enterprises, Inc. Kim Folsom co-founded Founders First Capital Partners in San Diego in 2015 to provide a small, a virtual small business growth accelerator and revenue-based venture fund focused on helping underserved small businesses achieve exponential growth. Driven to help micro businesses succeed, Kim also founded Lyft Development Enterprises, Inc., a nonprofit community development organization to help underserved and underrepresented small business owners overcome the challenges they face due to lack of access to capital. Both organizations represent a new, innovative breed of programs that address the gap in funding companies led by underserved and diverse founders. Prior to launching Lyft and Founders First, Folsom was a high-tech executive and serial entrepreneur with more than 25 years of experience growing innovative technology companies. She has experience founding, leading, and building startups for which she has raised $30 million in institutional venture financing. Folsom has leveraged her unique entrepreneurial experience to launch uh, six companies successfully exit three and launch her seventh firm with a revenue based venture fund of $100 million in committed capital. Prior to, uh, Pepperdine Grazadio, I'm not butchering that. Um, Folsom spent eight years trying to find a way to launch her own venture-backed entrepreneurial tech journey as an underrepresented founder. While enrolled in the MBA program, her cohort helped her discover her unique path to entrepreneurship. The interaction with her classmates, uh, rigorous class assignments, and discussion with professors aided in her developing the confidence and strategy to launch her first startup tech company, SeminarSource.com. Folsom successfully carries out the mission of Founders First by leveraging her years of entrepreneurial experience to help hundreds of other underrepresented founders get funding for growing their companies. This was um, off of Pepperdine's uh, website. She, I guess she got her, her MBA at Pepperdine. Um, so that was what that little Pepperdine sidebar in there was about. But um, 
I, I picked her specifically because I had a chance to meet and speak with Kim um, recently at a conference that I emceed back in, I believe it was March. Um, and I am really cool with one of her, I don't know her exact title, um, but if anybody that is watching um, or listening has a startup uh, company, uh, tech company, um, hit me up and slide in my DMs. I can, you know, if you have a deck and you're legit and you have a deck, I can probably see about putting your deck in the hands of some people at Founders First. I have some, I have some connects there. Um, but she really, you know, I was, I'm just was super impressed with her and the way she built that, that fund and, um, and, and is really focused on underserved and underrepresented founders exclusively pretty much. Um, and, and is, is, is just, she's, she was a very serious, uh, woman, but she was about her business and about getting money in the hands of the folks that really need it, um, that don't get the opportunity to get it. So again, if, if anybody knows somebody, if you're working on a startup yourself and you have, a legitimate deck um they they look at um i don't know that they do that that first angel round i'm not sure um i think you know you don't have to be like series a but you you definitely have to have some demonstrated revenue um already and and sort of be well within you know that process um i don't know that much about that process but um if you need some money, if, you, mm, if you're raising money no. right now, um, I, I may be able to help. So, you know, hit me in my DMs and I might be able to help with that. You know, it is awesome, um, you know, what she's doing. And, you know, it'd be lovely if you could get her, you know, her or someone who does things similar to her, you know, on the show to talk about that. Because, you know, we've, we've, we've had shows like this before and we just talk about how hard it is for folks like us, particularly women um, who look like us to get funding. It is it is laughable how little has gone out to uh you know to, to, to minority founders i mean it's it, it, it is it is laughable uh i'm but, curious uh, uh side note i'm curious in general how hot the startup quote-unquote ecosystem is nowadays because back in the 2000 and i can remember when going to south by southwest and all these companies, you know, all these young folks, all these tech founders jockeying for position. And then you hear about all these companies raising all this capital. And it's kind of, am I tripping or did that kind of die down or is not as sexy anymore? I, I'm, of course, of course, we aren't getting the, uh, you know, equal amount of the startup. But is anybody in general nowadays anymore? As much, well, I think the answer is yes and no. So what has changed is that VCs generally have just stopped throwing good money after bad. There, there was a time when you could say, "I'm a founder, I got a, you know, I got a, you know, a CTO of the company. Here's our idea, and if it makes sense, you could get, sense, found, you could get would, funded you, you off could an get idea, founded, and you would get yep. started off of just an idea. Yeah. Uh, that is changing a little bit. It's like, okay, well, now it's like, tell me more. Show me how this is going to work. How are we going to make money, uh, here, here, and here? So they've stopped just throwing money blindly at companies, seeing what would stick. Um, that being said, there's still a lot of venture money out there that is being yeah, thrown, or, you know, not, not thrown around. It is being doled out, uh, yep. you know, strategically into companies where, uh, these folks think that they're, you know, are going to be able to make money. So it's, it's absolutely there. 
Um, we're seeing more of it, um, you know, in spaces that affect us, uh, you know, for people uh, who look like us, by people who look like us and even some who don't. Mm-hmm. We, we are seeing that, but we still we are so far behind. Um, you know, the curve, uh, you know, um, you know, compared to our white counterparts. So it is still happening, but it's just not happening with the reckless abandon that you saw back in the day. It's funny you said ecosystem because um, the, the person I know at Founders First, her title is ecosystem builder. Um, so I will I actually all reach the buzzwords. Out, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reach out to her and see if we can't get her on for next month. That would be awesome. Kind of give us a state of a state of the startup you know, ecosystem, ecosystem report, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll reach out. So y'all, we are at the end of our show. And like we always do at the end of their show, we want to give a shout out to our new patrons or anyone who has given up a raise. And I believe if my numbers are right, we have had a new patron for four straight weeks. So mm-hmm. this week we actually have two. So I want to give a shout out. The the first name I'm not gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pair y'all be better with these names, yo. <laughs> we'll take your money, uh, yeah. But as a yeah. suggestion, so yeah, the the, na- the their actual name. This is not the companies, but this is the person. Their name is FedEx versus Chewy. Uh, hey. That is their name. We, we appreciate, we, we appreciate you. your support, and that but is their real day because they support a lot of podcasts. So that you so know, if, if lot, I'm reading this correctly. If I'm reading this correctly, it says FedEx versus Chewy.com. Uh-huh. Is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like it, I love it, homie. So, uh, and then the other supporter uh, is Albert. So, Albert, we appreciate you. Uh, FedEx versus Chewy, we appreciate you as well. Uh, because if it wasn't for folks like you, we couldn't do what we do. Um, so once again, anybody else who is interested, if you're listening to the end, you want to know how you can support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That is the tech J A W N and any of our tiers over there, uh, you know, uh, do us a solid and we really appreciate it. So that is the end of our show, y'all. So tech life, Steph, why don't you tell the people how they can get to you? You can follow me all around the web at tech life, Steph, or check out my website at till death do you tweet.com. All right. And you can find me on all the things and at brother tech, B R O T H A T E C H. And I was also on uh, DTNS today. Uh, so you'll go to their latest episode on a daily tech news show.com and uh, find out what I'm talking about over there. Uh- and I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we also are at the tech John on all the things. And I want to, I want to give a shout out to brother tech. He has been putting up some pretty funny, uh, clips lately. Of, I just no, did, I just did the, the one. That just did the one. clip was hilarious. But it's not just that yeah. one. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 that, that one is hilarious, but you have, you, I mean, we've got dozens and dozens of, of, of little clips that we've got up on our YouTube channel. So go check us out over on YouTube as well and look at some of the work that Brother Tech has done. Mm-hmm. And with that, y'all, we'll be back in a week's time. Peace. Peace. 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 